sounds great. Welcome to uh, Christian Bible Church. We're glad to have you with us today. Um, when I'm driving a semi all week, I got a lot of time to think because I turn the radio off. Every time I get in a vehicle, the radio's blasted for some reason. But I like to have a chance to think. And uh, this week I was thinking a lot about uh, appreciation and being thankful. And uh, I'm thankful for this church family. I'm thankful for a place that I can... Uh, be active and involved and serve God, and I just uh, want to thank you guys for that opportunity. And uh, John's gone this morning, so I decided I could do announcements, so we're going to try to do that. If you look on the front of your announcement, I thought this was interesting, on the front of your bulletin, it says, you will be tempted to compare, you will be tempted to quit, you will be tempted to compete, you will be tempted to despair, you will be tempted to stray, you will be tempted to pull back, you will be tempted to settle, and you will be tempted to be smug. And it says, don't do it. I experienced about almost all of them this morning getting ready for church. <laughs> you know, the world says, just do it. Nike, big shoe company, their slogan is, just do it. And, uh, you know, that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not about what we think or what we want. It's about what God wants. So I thought that was encouraging this morning. Open your bulletins. We'll look at a few announcements this morning. Uh, the Rankin Food Pantry needs are on the, is on the list is on the back of the table. Uh, we're having a potluck next week, so please stay after church today to help set up tables if you're able to. Uh, don't forget to change your clocks next Saturday night. The fall's good. We go back which means we get an extra hour of sleep, or you just don't set your clock and come an hour early because next week, Miriam Schmidt's going to be here at 9.30. So you'll be thinking you're coming at 10.30, you'll be here at 9.30, and it'll all work out. Uh, there'll be a potluck after uh, the service next week with meat being provided. Next Sunday is also the last opportunity for uh, to give to the Ghana. Uh, hospital match donation thing with empty tomb. No, Sunday after the twelfth is the last. Okay, the bolt says next Sunday. I'm just reading what it says. <laughs> it's not my fault. Uh, Operation Christmas child boxes are available at the back of the church. Filled boxes can be brought to the church or taken to buyer publishing by November twelfth. So everything's the twelfth. Get that right. Also, uh, the Faith Promises are due back next Sunday, if you uh, haven't done that yet. Um, this is a valuable thing for us to set up the budget, so please uh, take time to uh, look at one of those and uh, prayerfully consider how much you're going to give this year. That helps us do with the budget. Are there any other announcements? Prayer requests. Yes, Edna. Okay. Keep Judy in your prayers. She's having a, a tough time again. Anybody else? Okay. That wasn't that hard. Maybe Doug was going to go ahead and lead songs there for a minute. <laughs> Let's stand and sing number 51. 51. Come thou faith, fount of every blessing. Here I raise my ebony. 
turn back to number 246 246 there is a redeemer Number 218, 218, Jesus paid it all.
Would you join me in prayer this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for this time that we can have together. We thank you that we can look into your word and we just thank you for the opportunity to be together and to encourage one another, Lord. Lord, we're encouraged that, that uh, Dustin would come back today and, and will share with us again. We thank you for his willingness to serve and we thank you for his, uh, his unselfish desire to to minister to us today. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for the harvest. We are just amazed at how bountiful it was, and we just thank you. We just know how we worry about things, and, and we think about it's not raining enough, the weather isn't right, and yet, Lord, when it's all done, we were abundantly blessed. We just thank you. Lord, we thank you for our country that you put us in. And Lord, it looks like nothing like when we were younger. Lord, we pray for our leaders. We pray that hearts would change and look to you. Lord, we need a revival in this country and we just ask that you help us minister, help us look different as your people. people to ask why do you live that way and why are you like that and that we can point them to Jesus Lord we have requests this morning we just ask that you would be with Roy and as, as he's ill this morning and we just ask healing for him we ask we rejoice that Deb is home we pray Lord that you continue to work in her life and, and, he, and heal her. Give her patience as she waits for her procedure. Lord, we pray for Judy, uh, Edna's sister, Lord. We pray for strength. We pray that you would strengthen her, that she would uh, not be weak any longer. Lord, we always remember Ron and Mary, Lord, as they are unable to be with us. We pray that you would encourage them. We pray that you would strengthen them. And we pray that you would be with the people that, that care for them, Lord. We just thank you for them. Lord, we 
look around and, at Israel right now and, and they're being attacked from all sides and, and we're thankful for Mark's lesson this morning and, and how applicable it is, how you continue to keep them, Lord. And we ask that you give them wisdom. Uh, it seems like the whole world is turning against them, but Lord, we know that you're in control and that you're protecting them. We pray for wisdom for their leaders as they go about uh, fighting this. Lord, we also want to thank you for the people that are willing to work on this search for our church, Lord, for the minister. Lord, we know that you know who you have in mind and who you have for us. And we just ask, Lord, that you would direct us in that path and, and direct us together. We just give, ask you to give these uh, people wisdom as they do your work and, and do the work for this church. Lord, now we open our hearts and minds to what you've laid on Dustin's heart. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Dustin. Yeah, it's on. Okay. Hopefully not doubly here. Well, good morning. Good to be back. So some of you may not have been here last week. I, I preached here uh, Cessna Park last week, and, and I had mentioned to some of you that I know Brad List. So, and, and some of you also know him or may have a memory of him or a picture of him in your mind if you know him. So... He is uh, soon to be the lead pastor at Christ Church, in PC, Christ Church PCA in uh, Bloomington Normal, or, or Normal is where it's located, one of the elders there. Um, and my wife and I, uh, well, unfortunately my wife couldn't join us today again. Uh, we have two kids, uh, so my wife Jennifer, and, and we have Haley and Aaron. Uh, Haley is hard to believe 19. And uh, she's at Taylor University in Upland, Indiana, and Aaron is 16, soon to be 17, the next month, and he's junior at Cornerstone Christian. So, it's uh, life is a wild ride. Uh, there, you know, it's you, those of you who are more seasoned and veteran than I am can tell me uh, many stories, and I can tell those younger than me stories as well. I do a lot of things uh, at work and outside of work. And uh, I have the privilege of uh, working with young people and even folks older than me at, at gym and cutting trees. And that's what we're going to zero in on today and use that for discipleship and for God's glory. And that's what I want to, like I mentioned, want to bring that for you today. So let's read. And on your bulletin, your bulletin probably says, uh, where is it at? Revelation 22, 1 through 5. We're going to do that, but we're going to start where the Bible begins. And it's Genesis, well, it begins in chapter 1, but we're going to go to Genesis 2. Genesis 2. So put your fingers, Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Let's go to Genesis 2, starting at verse 9. 9. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden in the tree of the knowledge, uh, tree of, the knowledge of good and evil. And jumping, uh, well, and a, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it, was, it divided and became four rivers. Jumping to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in a garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat you shall surely die. Jumping forward, Revelation 22. I should have had that highlighted, or actually I do. 22 verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, 
bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves on the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Heavenly Father, we do pray for these words. We pray for this message. We pray that we would come expectantly to listen attentively and to leave joyfully that whatever is going on in our lives outside right now, that we would set it aside and focus and know that you have our best interest in mind as well as your glory. That I might decrease and you increase as we hear from you, from the word of the Lord, given to us by the Lord of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I grew up in a wooded area, wooded 24 acres of woods in western Pennsylvania. I'm familiar with, with uh, rolling hills and lots of trees. And I also cut now and trim trees uh, today out in Bloomington Normal. I uh, enjoy doing that. I work with a lot of young people, including my kids, uh, to do that and to teach them how to, to prune and to cut and to grind stumps and, and whatnot. Not full-time. Yet, I have failed to truly appreciate the beauty and abundance of trees in the Bible until recently. Trees are not randomly placed through Scripture. And I preached on Psalm 1 last week. It was intentional. They mark the most important events of creation, fall, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and our heavenly consummation. I was ignorant and unaware that the significant importance, the prominence that trees play are in the Bible. They happen to be one of the most abundant resources on the planet. They sustain life in so many ways that we take for granted. Now, before you write me off and put me in a category of a, a tree hugger or tree worshiper, hear me out. Trees or some form or some elements from them are used and have been used in the following manner. Shade, shelter, clothes, rope, food, syrup. I love maple syrup. Medicine, fuel for lights, oil, fragrances, Oil, heat, storage, cabinets, furniture, transportation, boat or canoe, tools, utensils, weapons, shields, fences, art, and beauty. The very book you have right now is made from a tree. The paper, the pews you sit in, air. What we breathe is made by them. They protect against erosion in the farming communities, the hedgerows. They bring water inland from the coasts. Trees are the tallest, heaviest, and oldest living thing on the earth. There are trees that are over 3,000 years old. That is hard for me to wrap my mind around. Similarly, Meaning that there is a tree that if it could move and walk and talk was on the earth when Christ, before Christ walked the earth. If you can believe that. Similarly, they mature slowly like people. They don't grow fast. They even get a ring on their birthday every year. If you realize and think about it, just sit and just, just dwell, meditate, chew on the cut of the word or the bark, that we live between two trees in Genesis and Revelation. The tree of life 
and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that ever since the fall, when Adam and Eve first ate the forbidden fruit, mankind has been trying to get back to what is lost. That we live our lives thinking about the future. No matter how old you are, we think about the future as a way to get back our lost glory. In some way, we'll get over past sin. That we want to become something or someone different to change our looks, to change our personality, to change away a besetting sin. That we want to recapture that which, which is lost. Strength, speed, beauty, memory, eyesight, smell, taste, you name it. We lose hope because we're not connected to, graft in with, communing with, rooted with Christ, the real tree of tree, the real tree of life. When we look through the lens, if you will, look through the lens of a tree, we'll have a much healthier and long-term perspective, not microwave theology. You don't take an acorn and get an oak in 30 seconds, or even 30 weeks, or 30 months, but it takes more than 30 years. Let us bring in that perspective that we can look to trees as someone, like people, can bridge the generations, connecting us with the past and inviting us to dream for the future, that we will be able to bend like the willow and weather the storms of life, that we can let our roots grow deep like an oak of righteousness. And we can bear fruit in and out of season all the time. And I chose these texts this morning because they help us not only look to the hope of the future of heaven, but more importantly, they keep our eyes on Christ, the tree of life. And so starting with the end in mind, I'd like to show you how the Bible uses trees and tree products, if you will, to reveal Christ, to remember Christ, and to be renewed or transformed, restored by Christ. Again, reveal Christ, remember Christ, and renewed by Christ. I love how God uses the most basic, common, ordinary things to speak to humanity. As Romans says, humanity will be without excuse by simply looking at the glory of creation. God chose the tree to reveal both general and specific and special revelation. Meaning, going all the way back to Genesis 2, we see the first mention of the tree of life. I've read that already in second, uh, Genesis 2, 9. But not only were trees made to produce fruit, but they're pleasant to the eyes. I've never read that. I've read the Bible many times and didn't realize trees were meant to simply be pleasant to the sight. And to take, I take for granted that. I pass by trees all the time in the parks or whatever I do. Flippantly, I take and ignore God's creation. But to think about what children write, one of the first things they can draw is a tree. They're enamored by it. It's, it's a basic thing that we do. Think about the pictures kids draw. Some of the first things they draw are the sun, a tree, and people. All reflect the glory of God. I, I just look back at my, my, kids, my kids' bulletins whenever they're in church and they were writing on things. That's what they did. But because of our unholy communion with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the earth was cursed and humanity was doomed to die. Yet it was from a fig tree that Adam and Eve used the fig leaf to cover their bodies. And, and they had a newfound shame, so they were covered with the fig leaf. That tree will be important through the rest of the scriptures. Because of their fallen state, they were sent out of the garden, and the angel was sent to guard the tree of life. Otherwise, they would have been living in an eternal state of damnation. That's a blessing to be removed from the Garden of Eden. That when you eat from the tree of life, you have eternity, your, their eternal life. And so if you are in a fallen state, you don't want to eat from an eternal tree because you're in a fallen state. You need to be restored before you can eat from the tree of life. 
So how was Christ revealed? Well, a simple review, brief review of the Old Testament or the New Testament. Fast forward or flash flood to the flood. Noah was commanded to build what? An ark. An ark made of what? Gopher wood. An ark used to save humanity. And then it was an anointed olive leaf, another tree that will be throughout Scripture, that was the first sign of dry land to make a home. Then Abraham was surrounded by trees on his way to sacrifice Isaac. And yet a saving ram was caught in a group of trees called a thicket. A small thorny group of trees. Jacob's ladder to heaven. It wasn't an aluminum giant brand ladder. It was a wooden ladder to demonstrate access to God. Then Moses used his wooden staff to challenge Pharaoh. And that it was the blood of the lamb sprinkled on the wooden doorposts like cross. How they glossed over that part. How I glossed over that part. That Moses was commanded to toss a tree into the waters of bitter, the bitter waters of Merah and make them sweet. That Jesus made the bitter waters of life sweet. Moses lifted up his staff at the Red Sea and at the battle of, with the Amicalites. That only when the staff was raised like a cross were they saved. The angel of the Lord, i.e. Jesus, appeared to Moses in the smallest of trees, a bush. He didn't use a large forest fire. He used the smallest of trees. Not a, uh, God reveals himself under a tree or in a forest. If you look at Gideon, Nathaniel, or think of Zacchaeus, what did he do? Climbed a sycamore tree. Not the ones that we have here, by the way. Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, two uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 3, Christ is the apple tree among the trees of the forest. Proverbs 3.18, the wisdom of a tree of life is to lay hold of her. 11.30, not 11.30 now, but Proverbs 11.30, fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. Chapter 13, verse 12, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And in verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. There is an entire seminary course of examples where Christ is revealed and foreshadowed with a tree or part of a tree. That's how he's revealed. And trees help us remember Christ. Trees mark the spot, not an X. Trees are given a prominent spot to mark something as memorials. Often, when someone passes at a funeral, you can dedicate a tree to mark the spot. That tree will grow, and you will remember, have a remembering tree. There's remembering stones, but often those are under a tree. After, the, after a battle, Abraham plants a tamarisk tree. And the tamarisk tree was a special tree because they're called an everlasting tree. And it was called, uh, he called on the name of the Lord. That's in Genesis 21, 33, if you want to look at it for reference. Genesis 21, 33, he plants a tree. That tamarisk tree actually in, the, in an arid uh, climate produces moisture, gives air, moisture back into the air. So if you have a dry, uh, dry house, plant one of those in your house. But plants serve many more purposes than you think. Joshua Plant, uh, places a rock under a terabith tree by the sanctuary of the Lord as a remembrance of the covenant of God. But it's the most important tree that helps us remember Jesus, and that is the cross. Let's peel back the bark, if you will. Look at the life of Jesus before the cross to remember him. Jesus grew up in what kind of home? He grew up in a carpenter's home. He was intimately familiar with wood and its working. No one better to use a parable of sawdust, a speck of dust in your eye, than a two-before plank, than Jesus. 
Two of the three gifts given by the Magi were from trees, frankincense and myrrh. Isaiah 53, verse 2, describes a picture of Jesus that we don't often want to think about. Not a sight to behold. The suffering servant, rather than a young plant, or rather a young plant, a root out of dry ground, not a sight that would make people turn their heads. He was an ordinary man. In fact, he was from Nazareth, which is often translated into twig. How many of you growing up were called twig or stick? It's not necessarily a compliment. Jesus preaches on trees in the Sermon on the Mount, bearing good fruit and bad fruit. John 15, it's the seventh I am. If you know your Bible, it says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Be connected and grafted and connected to me. There is no life apart from me. You can do nothing apart from me. And two trees in particular are associated with Jesus, and that is the fig tree and the olive tree. Now, flipping it, what I just said, olives are often associated with anointing and royalty, pouring oil over someone's head. Psalm 23, I anoint your table, my head with oil. Often olive oil, not olive garden. But Jesus sought refuge in an olive garden, not the one you think of or I enjoy to eat at. It was the last place he had refuge before the cross was an olive garden. He sought refuge in wilderness to be with God among creation. Nathaniel and Zacchaeus were both called from a sycamore fig. If you'll note in Luke 13, uh, the parable of the fig, I actually I think I want to turn, I turn to Luke uh, 13. It was the, the fig tree. Let's turn there. Yeah, Luke 13. A man had a fig tree, planted it in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered, him, sir, let it alone this year until I dig it up and put it around uh, manure or fertilizer, and then it should bear. Uh, if then, if it should bear good fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. An interesting thing to learn about figs, if you didn't already know it, this is amazing. That a fig fruit is a hybrid of two natures of flora and fauna, that the wasps lay eggs in the fig, and the fig digests the wasp, so that the flower is inside rather on the outside. So you have an animal product and a plant product becoming one. Think of that. God would use such a hybrid fruit to represent the, God, the Son of God, fully man and fully human with a fig that's both part animal and part flower. The only thing, the only object that Jesus curses is a fig tree. Why? Because the fig tree is representative of the shame of Adam and Eve. It covers our shame. He curses our shame. It is a symbol that Jesus used to deal with. I want to turn to, to Matthew 21. Right, when he curses the tree. Matthew 21, 18 through 22. In the morning, as he was returning uh, to the city, to Jerusalem, he, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Then the, when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree 
wither at once. And Jesus answered them, Truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only be able to do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say this to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. Well, the irony of that is that the fig tree, or our shame, indicates fear, that we feared the presence of God. We feared being found out. We feared that. And Jesus is speaking about faith. In essence, the modern slogan today is fear over faith. We want to, we want to proclaim that. And that's what Jesus is saying, that my faith in me covers your shame. I curse the shame, and I cover that shame using the illustration of a fig tree. He answers the call. The only, uh, he says, cursed is anyone, or Paul says, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. In Deuteronomy, he's quoting Deuteronomy 21, 22 to 23. The revel, creation was cursed, and God caused thorns and thistles to grow. You ever prune a rose bush? You ever work with uh, hawthorn? Ever work with crab apples? Those have thorns. Some of them are pretty, or uh, black locusts. They'll puncture a tractor tire. I jumped on one and went right through my boot. It's amazing the power and devastation of a thorn. And the tree of life received a crown of thorns. 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. The marks of a tree are noticeable and identifiable. Was that how they reveal Christ? We remember Christ? But ultimately, to be renewed and restored in Christ. Think of this. Renewal and restoration in Christ. It was on the third day that God created vegetation and trees to grow. And it was on the third day that Jesus rose from the dead. It was no accident that he was mistaken for the gardener in the tomb. Job 14, 7 through 9. I quoted this at my grandmother's funeral. For there is hope, for there is hope for a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and its shoots will not cease. Though its root grow old in the earth, and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. I have seen an oak tree that is full and mature and looks like it was planted normally. The owner of the house showed me a picture of it being cut down to the stump in 1988. And it is, you could not tell today. I have seen a tree fully restored from the stump. Isaiah 11.1 1, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. The key issue with that restoration is what we commune with, what we partake of, and what we become one with. This is why the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was so sinister. We had an unholy union with death. A union that produces division, despair, shame, fear. And it wasn't until Jesus bore our penalty or our curse, both our curse and penalty, on the tree of the cross that we could be truly set free. Now we're able to partake in the divine nature. Second Peter 1, 4, to taste, uh, also to taste of the true vine, John 15. We're grafted into the true olive tree. Romans eleven twenty four the grafting of the Gentiles. In heaven, or in Revelation 22, you're probably like, when is he ever going to get to that? 
to Revelation 22. And yes, we shy away from Revelation. But the whole book of Revelation, the apocalypse means revealing. The whole book is about Jesus being revealed, planted securely, firm on the throne. Chapters 4 and 5 are exactly about that. But in Revelation, from the heaven of the throne of God, there's facing a tree that produces fruit, that bears fruit every month. The tree isn't singular. There's lots of trees on either side of the river. And like Psalm 1 and Jeremiah 17, these trees are planted by water, yielding constant fruit. The congregation of the righteous will be present. A multitude from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. God takes humanity from a garden paradise to a city with magnificent gardens and trees, a place where the root that was despised with no beauty or majesty is now in the center of that great glorious display with ever-present and everlasting. There will be no sun because we will have the Son of God. Our original family tree, if you go all the way back, you know, was it me and 23 or whatever it is, uh, Ancestry.com, you take your family tree, trace it back to the root of Adam. But for those who are in Christ, the second Adam, we can trace our roots back to him because we are grafted in. We are adopted to, into him. Revelation 22, 16. I, Jesus speaking, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. No matter your family tree, your background, there is hope and healing in Christ. There really is in your case, in your situation. Jesus declares earlier in Revelation 21, 5, Behold, I am making all things new. He's not making new things, but he is restoring what exists. Your body will be resurrected. It will be restored. He's not making a new body. He will resurrect your body. Think about that. If you're sick and tired and weary, reach out to Christ. Wherever the leaves of the tree of trees is offered, there is healing to you and to others around the globe. We need this more than ever. Visualize and take hold of the healing leaves of the tree of life. Call out to Christ today. Dear Heavenly Father, we do lift up you and your word. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. And that if we do not preach Christ, let those who preach be accursed that we want to give you all the glory, that there is healing in you, not our own doing, and that you are the one who did it all. Jesus was tempted to be compared, to, to compare. Jesus was tempted to quit. Jesus was tempted to compete. Jesus was tempted to despair. Jesus was tempted to stray. Jesus was tempted to pull back. Jesus was tempted to settle. Jesus was tempted to be smug. He didn't. Our forgiveness is found in him. Our failures are covered by faith. Our faith is in him, and our freedom is in him. Lord, we do come to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a closing song, and then I'll give a benediction afterwards. stand and sing number 559 number 559 all the way my savior leads me
Jude, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory, to, his, to the presence of the glory with to Jesus Christ our Lord through all power, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs> 